Hello and welcome to Plot Drifts. This is Meg. This is Lane. And today we're talking about Do Your Worst by Rosie Dannon. This was just published in 2023 and full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary arc for this review. All right. So Lane really liked this book. However, what she wants you to know it is not Christmassy. It's not just that it's not Christmassy, it's that it's Halloween-y. <laughs> I don't sorry. look. We are past that. It's... I need publishers to look themselves in the mirror and say, "Is does this involve like haunting, curse, witches, spells, fae? If that answer is yes, you have until October 31st to publish it or wait until next year. <laughs> sorry, guys. A November 15th publication date is not appropriate. For a curse-breaking romance. No, I'm all, I am out of this headspace. <laughs> Should we read the book jacket so they know what the heck we're talking about? Sure. Sparks fly when an occult expert and a disgraced archaeologist become enemies with benefits in this steamy romance. Riley Rhodes finally has the chance to turn her family's knack for the supernatural into a legitimate business when she's hired to break the curse on an infamous Scottish castle. Used to working alone in her alienating occupation, she's pleasantly surprised to meet a handsome stranger upon arrival. Until he tries to get her fired. Fresh off a professional scandal, Clark Edgware can't allow a self-proclaimed curse breaker to threaten his last chance for redemption. After he fails to get Riley kicked off his survey site, he vows to avoid her. Unfortunately for him, she vows to get even. Riley expects the curse to do her dirty work by driving Clark away, but instead they keep finding themselves in close proximity. Too close. Turns out the only thing they do better than fight is fool around. If they're not careful, by the end of all this, more than the castle will end up in ruins. I have honestly no issues with this book jacket. Sorry. Yeah. Well, as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50 and wrote our own summaries using that number as a word count. And for this episode, that number was 4. I'll go ahead and start. My four-word summary is opposite of enemy equals conquered yeah that makes sense <laughs> okay we'll talk about it more because this was honestly like i just is ridiculous my biggest issue with the book <laughs> yeah i was gonna comment more and then i saw your comments and i went we're just gonna have to save that <laughs> we'll gonna talk about that later okay so my four word summary is capitalism can ruin hobbies i can She's trying to make a business out of this life's work for the women in her family. And I actually really liked the discussion of matrilineal, like, heredity and culture, mm -hmm. like, cultural mm -hmm. heredity. And interestingly enough, um, her background is, like, the opposite of mine. Oh, yeah. Really? Well, so she's, like, born in the boonies of West Virginia. Mm -hmm. And then her family escapes West Virginia by going to Jersey. I see what you mean, yes from New Jersey and my family ended up in West Virginia. So weirdly, the cities she has the most like personal cultural relevance to or the states she has the most personal cultural relevance to are like the same ones I do, but in the opposite way. Gotcha. Um, well. Anyway, I really liked 
that is to say, the matrilineal culture, specifically that Appalachia, West Virginia situation, is actually something I am passingly familiar with. Mm-hmm. And I did really like how that was done here. Yeah. Tropes, enemies to lovers. I liked the twist on this. So she gets to Scotland and meets a hot guy in a bar and they really hit it off. Mm-hmm. And then the next day she finds out he's this asshole who's working to undermine her. Yeah. I don't I, I thought it was a fun twist on the enemies to lovers because one, you got to see that they actually do get along and like yeah. each other sincerely, absent anything else. And then the thing he does to her, even if you do technically get like justification for it in a sense, is really awful. Like, you yeah. understand why they go from getting along to at loggerheads very quickly. And it worked better for me than the, like, I hate you, but clearly that's just our weird way of flirting. Yeah, yeah. There was no, a little I, bit more cause here. I don't, yes. I I actually do agree with you that the way she set it up, the way Rosie Dannon set up this meet cute and mm-hmm. then meet hate. Yes. Was very well done. I liked that. Because they weren't able to deny that they liked each other in certain circumstances and were really into each other. hmm But they really were in conflict in terms of w- their professional goals being met required the others to not be. Right. But it, so there is a, a little bit of like insta-lust. Yes. Going on. And they're both outsiders in this remote town. And she's the woman who knows her whiskey. There's a lot. And he's the posh Englishman. Like, they are both subtropes. Oh, yeah. Well, and as a part of that subtrope, it's a grumpy sunshine. He's grumpy. She's sunshine. I didn't get that. Oh, you didn't get that? Oh, my God. Seriously? He's like, oh, why are you wearing little... Um, peasant blouses, you're supposed to be serious about this. And she's just like, oh, I... Anyway, to me, it was, like, very obvious that he was, like... It was very masculine, feminine. I'm logical. She's spiritual. I'm grumpy. She's cheerful. I'm going to focus on the evidence. She's I agree gonna, with everything you're saying. I don't think she was cheerful. I think that That's she... That's not per- an adjective I'd use to describe her. Mm, I mean, grumpy sunshine, right? So she's like, she's like, I'm going to look on the bright side of things. He's going to look on the dark side of things. I really disagree with that. Well. Not that he looks on the dark side, but like the whole prologue is setting up that she thinks she's doomed to be alone because of the nature of being a curse breaker. Like she's determined to do her job, but I don't think when they're confronted with challenges she's an inherent optimist like i re- i really disagree with the characterization of her as cheerful or sunshiny mm, well we're gonna she's have to mystical agree to dis- we're gonna have to agree to disagree with that one because yeah i mean me, i get she's... you on the masculine feminine on the spiritual logic i get that he's grumpy i don't think she's grumpy but i would not describe her as sunshine well, it's it's like the introvert extro- extrovert thing too sure, right sure, sure. Like, Look, i'm not disputing he's the introvert she makes friends with all the people she has fucking festivals all over town i don't know I think it falls into the grumpy sunshine trope. Agree to disagree. Like I said, I agree with the opposites attract fundamentally, but that is not the opposite I would use as the example. All right. Um, Scottish women are mystical beings tied to their land. Which Scottish woman is that? The one from the curse. Mm. 
Because <laughs> okay. I was like, Riley's not Scottish. I was like, I don't get it, but okay. So one from the curse. It's fine. It's fine. Daddy issues. They both got them. In times two. Bades. Bades. <laughs> they do. They bond over their daddy issues. Yes, and part of the reason they bond over it when they are trying to maintain this professional distance is both of them have basically gone into the family business. Yes. Which exacerbates their complicated relationship with their forebears. Yes. So he's gone into his father's business. She's gone into her, as Lane has talked about already, the matrilineal side, her grandmother's business. Mm -hmm. So, All right. Should we talk about this book? We should. Okay. I'm I'm going to just say, to start with, I had to suspend more disbelief than usual when reading this book. Because I'm going to be honest, taking a curse breaker seriously and being like, oh, like, I need to trust that she's actually legit takes a lot for me. Like, I do not believe in curses. I don't believe in haunted houses or ghosts or fae or, like, I, like, I'm happy to read about it. But in this specific book as a contemporary set in today's world with lots of contemporary issues and not like an alternate universe fantasy world mm -hmm. was was tough for me to get into but i i was like telling myself okay just it's it's an alternate reality where curses exist i agreed with i agree with that sentiment and i also think Rosie Dannon tried to walk a line with explaining what you needed to understand to sort of believe in Riley's powers, but also not wanting to do too much explanation of like the rules of magic and the universe of magic, because mm -hmm. that's a runaway train that derails real quickly. Mm -hmm. Well, so if fairies exist, do vampires, do werewolves, if she's got like magic sniffing bloodhound senses like mm -hmm. what else can she smell and that was my biggest struggle with the book that okay. just required like accepting what was on the page and nothing else because i do think it, there was a lot of things mentioned about the nature of magic that even taken not to the logical extreme but to the logical next step did not work yep yep exactly i and it was you know, like you're supposed to, I I believe, so the book is written in the third person um, with dual points of view, mm -hmm. but I believe that you as the reader are supposed to identify a little bit more with Rosie, <laughs> with Riley. Riley. I think you as the reader are supposed to identify a little bit more with Riley in that he's judging her unfairly, right? Right. And I wouldn't just naturally more inclined to be like if i was at a if i was an archaeologist doing a job and someone showed up as a curse breaker i would have been very much like clark and just been like what the fuck is this like what the fuck is this you know right so just to off the bat i just want to say that but if i accepted that curse breaking is a thing i think that the curse breaker and archaeologist pairing was very fun yeah. Okay. I want to state for the record, I really liked this book. I liked it a lot more than Meg did. We all know I have an archaeologist thing. Clark worked for me. Not as an archaeologist. Like, <laughs> not as an archaeologist. No. <laughs> he didn't get nerdy enough at any point. Yeah, you're right. You're right. He was, he like looked, he, he was described as Clark Kent, right? Yeah. She was like, do you ever get it? And he's just like, all the time. 
Well, and like she makes fun of him for being nerdy, but his nerdiness is stuff like being overly prepared with supplies. At mm. no point do you see him nerd out over like artifacts or his profession. Like That's if anything, true. right? He's he's trying to recover from professional shame, and he does a lot of thinking about like his family in the context of his profession. Like, I'm not saying it's not a part of his identity, but, like, the thing that makes me particularly into archaeologists were not, was not present here. So, Clark worked for me, but it is not because he was an archaeologist, and I want to go on the record and say that. Okay. And then they both had very complimentary sexual kinks. Yes. Which worked for them. Yes. So I understand how this is sexy and I understand how this is romantic. Like if you find someone who is just like your match in bed, Mm -hmm. obviously that makes them more attractive to you. I get that. Yes. And they were both platonic ideal of masculinity and femininity hot. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this is very, I mean, I feel like I've used this word a ton in recent episodes in recent episodes, but I do feel like these two are like archetypes of masculine mm. feminine, right? Well, and that even plays into this idea that the curse that they are working on figuring out from the past involves two people who were also archetypes of femininity and masculinity, and they are very blatantly being projected onto that. Mm-hmm. Yep. It leans in, which to me is if you're going to go down that route, that's the way to do it. Lean in. Yeah. And like that part actually was fine with me. And I think mm-hmm. it would have been even more interesting if they had kind of, if if Riley had kind of realized that even some of their actions were being influenced by the curse, right? Right. Like she was acting even more like witchy or like into the mystical side and he was being even more logical than usual. Mm-hmm. Because they were being influenced by the curse. I think that could have been a really interesting route to explore. But that's just not how magic works in this universe. Correct. Okay, we're going to talk about the thing that, like, really got to me. Okay. And this is, like, the dumbest thing, but, okay, here's the thing. I already have to really suspend my disbelief in thinking that, like, curses exist. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that Riley is just this natural curse breaker Mm -hmm. who has, she's decided that she's going to make curse breaking her job. Mm -hmm. And I'm supposed to believe that she's really good at it. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, that's the point of the book, that curse breaking is a legit thing and that Riley's good at it. And it's not Mm -hmm. fair that Clark is judging her. Right? Mm -hmm. Well, when we get to the actual curse, she's so fucking stupid. Stupid lane. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. I could not stand what an idiot she was and how bitchy she acted. Couldn't stand it. Really pissed me off. It really got to me. One of the things that I was just completely okay with letting go of, and I recognize Lane on a different night might have been nitpicky about this. They both sort of suck at their jobs. Oh my god, they're the like, oh, the book awful. tries really hard to sell you on the idea that this is competency porn, mm-hmm. and it's really not. Mm-mm. And the shit that happens is just batshit enough that I'm fine with it. Yeah. The rules of magic make no sense. They're both terrible at their jobs, but they're really sexy together. They like hooking up, and this universe feels like I think I've just approached this world as if it were practical magic. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Where like I was just utterly charmed by it, even though I totally admit it made no sense. 
Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. She's why. never used Google. He doesn't do research. If the conclusions aren't leading him to places he wants them to go. Good point. I mean, this is, you're right. You're right. You're not wrong about any of this, but for some reason, maybe it's cause I'm okay. This is not a mystery novel, right? No. I am relating it a little bit to how I read mysteries. So when I read a mystery, I do not expect to know the answer. I, and in fact, if I can figure it out, I usually get a little bit bored with the book. So if the author has made it so obvious what the answer is, it, it really bothers me that the, the detective or whoever is in the, in the book doing the investigating can't figure it out. Cause I'm like, if I can figure this out, then you should be able to figure this out. Right. Sure. That's how I felt about the curse. They find like the clue to the curse. And Riley's just like, well, means I need to do this thing. And I'm like, oh, my God, Riley. No. Right. That's obviously what you do not need to do. Like, you're so dumb. Like, yeah. so dumb. I couldn't stand it. And it turns into, like, one of the major relationship conflicts. And I don't know. It just, that specific part of the book really brought it down for me. You know, it was unclear to me when the curse even got cast or what the curse was by the end. Because <laughs> if you think about it, and this, I'm going to try to say this in a spoiler-free way. There is no curse that needed to get cast. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure when it even would have happened. All that is to say, you had to either accept that and care not one bit, or you weren't going to like this book. And I chose to not care. And I, I had a great time. I wish, you know, I wish I had 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 the choice, but I my brain wouldn't let me. Yeah. It wouldn't let me. I, I think I was so busy, like it was so busy trying to suspend the disbelief about the curse breaking that then I was like, I cannot also believe that she is a curse breaker and good at it and also too stupid to live. Yeah. No, they both. I mean, even talking about his backstory and the stuff that has gone down between him and his brother, they both veer on too stupid to live so many times. And I chose to accept that this was competency porn and move on with my life, even though that was never demonstrated. I mean, to be fair, they are both real doofuses. Yeah, no, they are hot golden retrievers. So maybe I should just focus on that. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, if you can't, just let it go there's no hope for you I, I couldn't I could just yeah. this one the one part I was like <laughs> I'm no! gonna be clear I sincerely really liked this <laughs> I really liked the way they interacted with each other I really liked their like bonding over shared family trauma I liked the way she interacted with the cottage town I loved the where this like leaned into tropes I'm just admitting that the curse aspect of this in every conceivable way was not the strength of the book. This is a book about the curse. (laughs) If you are fine being like, whatever, the premise here is what it is, I'm just in it for the interpersonal dynamics, I genuinely think this was sincerely good. (laughs) If you needed a well-developed curse structure and their competence, it's just not there. It isn't. It isn't. Um, I need to talk about Britney Spears. Mm Mm-hmm. So... One of the things that they bring up in this novel is that she thinks the most annoying thing that possibly exists in this world 
is a man who plays acoustic guitar think he's written a song for you that is really moving. Have you seen anything about Britney's memoir trending around the internet? Have you seen a thing about Justin Timberlake playing acoustic guitar during her abortion? All I could think about every time the acoustic guitar came up was Justin Timberlake playing acoustic guitar on the bathroom floor. I'm a bad person, but in some ways this like upped my enjoyment. Like, yeah, you're right. Justin Timberlake is a huge douchebag. Mm-hmm. You know, the memoir was released after I read the book. So maybe that's what made me so upset. Like, I didn't have the, you You didn't know. have that context to, like, make fun of Justin Timberlake at the same right. time you were reading this. No, that was, it did elevate it. I, that's for sure. I am sure that it did. Okay. Anything else to talk about the book? No. I mean, I think this is a Scottish Halloween mystery. <laughs> Scottish Halloween mystery. This yeah. reminded me of the game Folklore a lot, actually, if you've ever played it. I haven't. That one I haven't played. But, I mean, I don't know, you guys. Maybe I just also was in this, like, I don't know. Just that, like, it was really just that one pivot point for me. And I I think the book could have gone either way. I could have, like, really enjoyed it or been really frustrated. And unfortunately for me, I pivoted to frustrated. You also didn't end up thinking it was that sexy, though. And I think I also thought it was sexier than you did. But we'll get there. Okay, First, we we'll have to talk there. about content warnings. Content warnings. They both have daddy issues, like Lane said. Her father abandoned her and mm-hmm. her mother when she was, like, a preteen. Mm-hmm. And his father has been completely focused on his career his entire life. Right. And so, so in different mm-hmm. ways, they have very much been forced to... Like, into parentification of themselves. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then his father... I mean, this is almost a spoiler, like... Mm-hmm. But his father has always preferred his brother mm-hmm. to him. So, there you go. Yep. So those things are rough. Um, I'll also note that her grandfather was killed in a mining collapse... Mm-hmm. It's not super on the page, but it's obviously tragic. Yeah. Um, and the oh, I guess this is sort of a trope, than more than a trope than a content warning. But the uh, individuals involved in the curse were like a feuding family situation, but it mm-hmm. ended super tragically with everybody dying in like various kinds of bloody ways. Yeah. Again, very like. Lincoln, you'll miss it. But if you're like, I'm really not interested in like feuding families of the 1700, in the 17th century, 18th century, whatever. Cont- content warning, feuding content families. Content warning, of I guess. So, like I said, it's more trope. This was extremely clumsy <laughs> to put it in here, but I just remembered it. So leave me alone. Hey, you made fun of me once for a, a content warning. So I'm admitting it's not a content warning. I just don't feel like editing to put it back under tropes. <laughs> okay, Lane, tell me about this book and how it was sexy. Okay, so one, they have, like, firecracker chemistry from the start, and they are both, like I said, extremely good-looking people. Mm -hmm. Two, the first, like, hint of something more than a kiss is a full-blown solo solo sesh by him, wow, is a full-blown solo sesh by him immediately after the world's most awkward massage. Mm Mm-hmm. Which appreciated that. Then their first 
hookup, he realizes she was exactly as into, they get caught in the rain and they have to take shelter together. Uh, so, so it involves them getting kind of naked in a way that they were not expecting to get kind of naked. Mm-hmm. And so forced proximity, suddenly they're like ripping each other's clothes off and they figure out they both like it kind of rough. Mm-hmm. But then he goes down on her for a while and he does the thing that you and I have both talked about appreciating before, which is basically being like, I would happily do this all night. Oh, <laughs> like, honestly, Lane is which kind of a Stevie fantastic. It is a Stevie Spark situation because he edges her for like an hour. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know. And then when they eventually have curse breaking sex, which <laughs> let me tell you book highlight of the last couple of months for me just like the idea that they have to do a sex ceremony is my brain was so happy like stephanie lauren's level happy i you know it's so funny because i really think that i would have been really really into it if she hadn't been so dumb about it before (laughs) no but they have and then during the curse breaking he gets distracted by going down on her far longer than he needs to and it was like i appreciate his commitment yeah um And then they hook up in a library, which is also really fantastic. And so overall, I give this a 10 out of 10 in sexiness. Now, they're both kinky and like it a little rough. I would say a little. Yeah, it wasn't Uh, like, yeah, it wasn't like super rough. That said, the next day he's like kind of turned on that she's still bruised from him, which to me, I, I don't love it. Right, it's not like whips and chains, handcuffs, smack a little booty up with my belt, to quote Ludacris. But it is, he gets off on marking her and, like, giving her hickeys. Yeah, I mean, she's into it. It's not just hickeys, Lane. It's the level of bruising of a hickey. Uh-huh, sure, uh-huh. <laughs> anyway, I was like, it's, eh, I didn't love it, didn't love it. But, I mean, you're not wrong that, like, the library sex was very hot. I was into the library sex. Curse-breaking sex, I think I would have been really into. I just genuinely, not my kinks, but totally was fine with the way they were presented on the page, did not detract from me. There was a lot of sex scenes. Consent was always paramount. Did I love the way the first sex scene ended? No, because that was the moment she was dumb as fuck. But then there were so many more sex scenes. That's true. And I really liked when the last conflict happened. I think this book went from like a, oh, this was good to like, this was memorably good for me because I was expecting when they go through to break the final curse for that to be a moment that then there was another breakup. And in Mm. fact, there was not. Mm -hmm. They are just working together for the last 20% of the book. Yeah. Which takes it from a good but forgettable to like good and memorable for me. Yeah. Yeah. Well... I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. <laughs> I mean, I quoted Ludacris and referenced Britney Spears. So <laughs> I don't know where I'm at tonight. And I got like really pissed off about vocabulary. So we're in a great headspace. Enjoy. Thank you guys so much for listening. And remember to check us out around the internet wherever you can find plot trysts. And if you haven't done it yet, rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs>